If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. I know sometimes when I look at it, when I put it up on the design wall and then I take a picture of it and look at it, there are things that I see that I don't see when I'm right in front of it. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Today, my guest is Eva Reimer. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, mostly edge-to-edge quilting. If you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil, needle and thread attached at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel and Facebook page. These are on the first and third Friday of every month. They're streamed live and in real time. Even the thread breaks and oopses are there. I just welcome you into my studio to watch as I work through a project and chat about the processes and decisions as I go. Plus, they're interactive, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about the project while I'm working on it. So once again, those air the first and third Friday of each month. Just look for Stitched by Susan on YouTube or Facebook to find the upcoming or the past events. I'll let you in on a little secret. I don't like shopping. Especially, I don't like shopping for clothes. It feels incredibly time-consuming, and there's a million other things I'd rather be doing. So I've found a solution at Stitch Fix. It's an online apparel shopping service, and it's entirely personalized. I set up my account with delivery frequency, a price point that's comfortable for me, my size and taste, and even have the option of adding jewelry, bags, shoes, or other accessories. I've had the same designer for a couple of years, and she's got me dialed in. If you'd like to give Stitch Fix a try, they're offering $25 off your first order. Just use the link provided in the show notes and have fun shopping their enormous collection. All right, on to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. If you're thinking about making a scrappy quilt, but it just feels a little intimidating, a little nerve-wracking to step out into that unknown world, find yourself a support system. So a couple ways to do that might be to look for a quilt along that's being held by a particular person or maybe hashtag, but a way that you can join other people that are doing the same pattern, the same type of process, and you can have some support and outside input as you're choosing your scraps. And another might be to find social media groups. So it could be a hashtag, could be a Facebook group. There are lots of them out there where people are doing similar things and you can find input and ask questions and just generally get support as you're working on your scrappy project. You know I love my coffee. In fact, I've got a fresh pot brewing right now. 
If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There for the price of one delicious coffee, you are able to make a one-time contribution or sign up for a monthly one if you so desire. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. My friend Eva Reimer is joining me today, and we're going to be talking about choosing fabrics for scrappy quilts. This can be such a big leap if you're not familiar with quilting in a scrappy fashion. And, you know, where do you start? How do you make the decisions? So we're going to talk our way through all of that. Today, Eva's with me again in the studio. We are present and in person, right? Face to face. (laughs) It's awesome. And we're going to explore choosing fabrics for scrappy quilts. Both of us love scrappy quilts. Our tastes are not identical, but you know, similar. And so I just wanted to bat around a little bit this idea of how we go about choosing what fabrics to include in a scrappy quilt. So what, what, like, do you have a particular kind of scrappy quilt that you like? Cause I know that's a really, really broad category. Um, I have had like different periods in my life where I loved nine patches for like a long long time and would do like just about any kind of nine patch I'm always a sucker for a star pattern Mm -hmm. if I see a star pattern I think I have to make it um it just kind of depends and I am starting to get more into your style of the more modern fabric and the more modern patterns and and it's funny how time does you know shift your tastes or just experimentation I know when I think of scrappy quilts There are times when I, well, I tend to go to Pinterest for ideas, but sometimes the ones with lots of colors and lots of interest and lots of things going on really appeal. But often I am more attracted to a more limited palette. And I read somewhere the other day, this is not my original idea, but I thought it was such a great one. If you're a little intimidated by trying to plan a scrappy quilt, think about doing one in two colors. So really narrow down their parameters. So maybe blue and cream, for example. So your creams could be all low volumes and your blues could be a whole range of blues. But that starts to give you kind of guardrails, right? Yeah. Well, and you and I went shopping um, recently (laughs) and I made a baby quilt for my, my one son has this habit of wanting to give baby quilts. So I've been making baby quilts for all his friends. And I recently got done with that quilt and gave it to him. And he said, Mom, this isn't your normal baby quilt. I didn't think it would be so one color. And I was like, well, I was shopping with Susan and she pitched (laughs) an idea and I went for it. (laughs) Yeah, it just it just strikes me as a way to explore scrappiness. You know, if that's not your comfort zone Mm -hmm. without um, being overwhelmed by all the choices out there, because I think that can be the thing with scraps. Like, how do you get something that's cohesive and that doesn't just look like, you know, a I've mixed soup? I've done, like, soup? all the different layers. Like, I've done where this new one where I just went and picked one color and then picked a pattern that was kind of out of the box for me, for my normal. I usually do plan scrappy, mm-hmm. like, all in, like, a color range of what I like. So is that what planned scrappy means to you when you've narrowed down the choices a bit? Like, you know, you're using all Civil War fabric or all like a different, like all batiks in a certain colorway or something. That's what I think of planned scrappy. But then I've done like mystery quilts where they tell you, where you don't know what it's going to look like. And they tell you, go pick 
a medium, go pick a dark, go pick a... And sometimes they're not as scrappy per se, but like Bonnie Hunters are usually super scrappy. Yes. Great minds think alike because I was just thinking too of her mystery quilts. And I'll put a link to a recent mystery quilt in the show notes so that those who are not familiar with them can have a look. But every year Bonnie hosts this challenge and her way of like, she loves scrappy quilts. She is the queen of scrappy, but her way of narrowing it down is to use paint chips and pick a palette of Uh colors and then say, okay, within those colors, maybe the reds or maybe the browns, you know, then I'll start picking a range within that. And it, it gives cohesiveness. It really does. It gives a plan to the quilt. Um, There's something about scrappy. I think that gives sparkle to a quilt that a quilt with few fabrics can never achieve. Do you agree? Yeah, I always feel like some of my favorite scrappy quilts, it's like you look at that little piece of fabric and maybe you only have one or two pieces of that fabric that you just loved and it's in that quilt. But it just brings back, you know, you have fond memories or it's a scrap left over from something else you made someone else. And um, You're absolutely yeah. right. I hadn't even thought of that in terms of you know, the individual fabric. I was still thinking more in terms of color. I remember years ago, I was, I mean, I've made quilts all my life, but but for most of my adult life, I was too busy with kids and stuff. So when I really got back into it, the first one I made was a red and white. Um, One of our girls was getting married and I was at a quilt shop shopping for reds. I didn't have much of a stash. Mm -hmm. And the lady at the store gave me a piece of advice that I've never forgotten. You know, she looked at my selections that were quite similar reds. You know, I had some bigger scale, smaller scale, but they were all a pretty narrow channel of red. And she came and looked at them and said, oh, you need a much broader base. You need to have reds that are almost pink. And then you need to have reds that are almost burgundy, even dark black bits in them. And that is what brings the richness and the sparkle. So I've never forgotten that. So I'm curious, do you do that in your scrappy quilts? Do you look at like the blues and really pick this broad spectrum or stay pretty close? Um, I tend to do like, it kind of depends. I tend to do different lines sometimes. So I live really close to what used to be the buggy barn is now one sister. And I've always kind of loved a lot of her like really deep rich tones of fabric and I like the way she kind of pulls colors together and stuff so I am doing like this um, scrappy it's a scrappy celebration 25 years of scrappy or something is her new pattern I can't remember the name of it but um, and I have dug into my scraps and using like bits and pieces from lines like probably 15 years ago and some of the newer stuff and so it just varies I do tend to go the longer I do it the more I go from like light mediums and darks so I'll have like a blue or a red and I sort them light medium and dark okay and kind of go that way and I do sometimes with my backgrounds too it's like am I going to make it totally scrappy or am I going to do light scrappy or medium scrappy, or I kind of do that. I've gotten more into doing that because I'm trying to stretch my stuff further Mm -hmm. (laughs) with the price of fabric. And actually, you raised an interesting point that I hadn't thought of earlier. You're talking about one designer and all the bits of fabric that you've collected of her lines over Mm -hmm. the years. That's another way of being pretty confident that you've got cohesiveness is by picking one designer because they will tend to have 
a red that they use repeatedly. Yes. Or, you know, I think of designers like Bonnie and Camille, whose colors are, we know them by their colors. And mm-hmm. they all play happily together. There are yeah. many other designers, Kim too. Kim like that, too. Yes. And Kansas Trouble and yes. those ones. They tend Good to examples. use the same tones. And so then you can be pretty confident that you can mix and match any of their fabrics within a scrappy quilt. And they'll complement each other well. Mm-hmm. Good point. Here's another way that I've done it in the past. And again, you know, our styles are a bit different. I do tend a little more contemporary. But one of the ways that I have chosen to pick my scrappy fabrics is to pick one sort of inspiration Mm -hmm. design. And it generally tends to be a bit larger scale Mm because it's got more stuff going on in it. And I'll take that one fabric and I'll pull colors from that. So I'm thinking of a quilt I recently made that was all, it had a lot of strips in it that just went, you know, side by side. And then that was cut up into smaller Uh pieces. So I had this inspiration fabric, which had a very dark background. I think it might've even been black. And then it had purples and greens and browns and a lot of colors but just the word brown you know evokes a lot but when I picked the brown that was in that inspiration fabric and then traveled up and down my stash or my scrap pile Mm -hmm. and picked the browns that matched that they all played together well because they were all in that same fabric piece right so I had the right hue of brown the right types of greens yeah and so that's another way to if, if you're not confident of your eye for choosing colors Take one fabric and use Uh the colors that are in it. And I've done that too. I've built quilts off of like you have a fabric and you really, really love it, but it's, you don't want to use like huge pieces of it because, you know, they tend to be louder. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they're louder stuff, more modern stuff. And so when I do with modern, I usually do that a lot Mm -hmm. and just pull out different colors that play well with it. I've even occasionally, I have started a quilt from the backing. So I do love to have parties in the back, right? So some of my backings tend to be quite bold prints in various ways. But that's a great way to start your Mm -hmm. color choices as well. Again, because they're all in one piece of fabric and they've been designed purposely to go together, you know all those colors will blend well together. So you can take that as your jumping off point for picking the scrappy colors for the front. Yeah, I think everybody has a different approach to it. I have seen people... I have a friend and I've seen her like graft out her pattern and she'll have little fabric swatches of stuff that she's thinking of using (laughs) and then she'll color it with colored pencils and she is like very detail oriented and her stuff is amazing. I don't put that much effort into it. I'm kind of a fly by the seat of my pants kind of gal. If If I feel it looks good, if I think it looks good. I'll get my blocks done. I'll throw it up on the design wall. Recently, I'd done a block of the month my husband had bought me. And he did not realize that that meant he had to buy so many months. He bought it for me. Like it was subscription-based? He thought the first month was it? Well, he knew there were several months he (laughs) had to buy. He didn't think it was like 12 or 14 months what it turned (laughs) out to be. He says he's never joined it again, but I think I can convince him. But anyway, I had where I had to make 72 three and three quarter inch blocks and I made all these blocks. You got random of those and then you got setting triangles and an applique. There were all these different pieces and I threw it up on the wall and there were two blocks that were so bright compared to all the other fabric. And yeah, I took them out made something else because they didn't play well with everything else they were just too 
different. So maybe it's important then that you go into this scrappy quilting with the idea that there's going to be a little bit of trial and error mm-hmm. involved. And you you need to you need to be a little bit confident of your eye. You know, when yeah. you put something on the design wall or in my case on the design floor, you know, and step <laughs> back a little bit and look at it. Trust your eye. Like, is it pleasing? Maybe sleep on it overnight. See I, how it strikes I you. I have done that too. I've thrown it up on the design wall and then I'll go to bed. I um, and we'll think about it or ponder over it for a couple days. Sometimes if you take a picture of it and text it to a friend, what you see and what I see are totally different. I've done that, too. Um, so have you taken pictures and looked at them in black and white? I have never done that. That was a new idea for me. So that's a kind of amazing thing. I think what it emphasizes is the hue or the saturation, which your eye might not see. So to take a picture of, you know, things on your design wall or or fabrics next to each other and then look at them in black and white, you start to see what's deeper, what's more saturated, what's too bright. And that that relates to what catches your eye more yeah. in the printed products. That's a really good tip. I know sometimes when I look at it, when I put it up on the design wall and then I take a picture of it and look at it. There are things that I see that I don't see when I'm right in front of it. And I don't know if it's the lighting when you take the flash or if it gives more of a whole picture and it compacts it down. Yes. If that's what if that's the reason, because it just brings it down to a to a size that your eye can handle, your brain can handle, I guess. I don't know. It's just another perspective. Mm -hmm. I know I talked to a quilter one time who was doing she was creating a portrait with kind of the mosaic style like all little different pieces Mm -hmm. and she had a two-story area in her house and that's how she did it was by basically stepping away and Mm -hmm. she was able to do that by running up the stairs you know and not all of us have that availability (laughs) but all these different techniques are just ways to have your eye look at it a bit differently and Mm -hmm. see how it strikes and there are times where you do just have to walk away from it Like, you know, you'll move blocks around and you'll try to get your colors spread out. But sometimes you just have to walk away. And and that is the value of like another day. Yep. Sleeping on it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Have you ever used a color value ruler? No, I have not. (laughs) So I haven't either. We better try this out, Eva. But I apparently they are amazing for doing much the same thing as the black and white photo, but from a little bit more scientific standpoint. And I think the rulers are usually red. And there's something about that that also helps you to determine light and medium and dark values and how that will read to the viewer. Well, they also have color wheels too, right? Where you can have the color wheel and it has all the colors on it and then they'll tell you which colors go well with other colors. I have not used one of those, but I know there was a class at my quilt shop where they did it one time. And there certainly is a lot more to this, which you can delve into for Mm -hmm. anyone that's interested, for sure. But, you know, the the primary colors, I think we probably all know from our school days, the yellow, the blue, the red, and then the secondary colors, you know, the orange, Mm -hmm. the green, the purple. But just the process of taking two colors, for example, that are opposite on the color wheel versus taking two colors that are side by side on the color wheel. So you have more contrast. Well, it'll just give you a totally different result. So Mm -hmm. are you looking for one that's, you know, mellow and easygoing? That's probably going to be the two colors side by side. You know, the two colors across from each other are likely to be much more high contrast, more vibrant, more lively, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So those are all things you can certainly delve into um, and explore. 
But boy, we've gone a long way down the scrappy rabbit trail, haven't we? (laughs) (laughs) But I love scrappy quilts. There's something about them that, I don't know, they just make my heart happy. They do. They do have a sparkle. And we were talking earlier about Bonnie Hunter's mystery quilts, that she does an annual um, sew along with those. And I think that was probably my first um, deep dive Mm -hmm. into the freedom and yeah. the exploration that comes in using scrappy quilts and her her method of approaching with the paint chips, you know, she walks you through it in such a lovely step-by-step yeah. sort of hand-holding fashion. And that made me just fall in love with this idea of even if a quilt, you know, has four or five colors in it, each color has a multitude of facets. And yeah. it, sparkle is the best word. It just brings life to a quilt. And I feel like if you're not always sure what colors go, I've also, like the first Bonnie Hunter I did, I actually got a fat quarter bundle. Like I bought a pre-made fat, a pre-made fat quarter bundle of a designer. So I knew all the fat quarters would kind of go together. Mm-hmm. And I used that as my base, like my jumping off point for okay. all my colors in that scrappy quilt. And then I picked out of my stash or my scraps whenever I needed different contrasts of colors and stuff like that. Because not all people feel comfortable match, you know, picking colors for scrappy quilts. Yes. And and honestly, I don't either. So to have kind of a a basis, a starting Mm -hmm. point for that. So that's much like picking an inspiration fabric, only you're picking an inspiration line. But the same principle holds true. It is already cohesive and well thought out Mm -hmm. and you can just springboard from that and add to it sometimes they're in line sometimes different quilt stores will have their own little fat quarter bundles that they put together like they'll have some polka dots and some stripes and they won't always be from the same line but they all kind of go together oh i see so a little curated sort of bundle so that also works too it doesn't always have to be the same line gotcha okay So thinking back now to the scraps that are in my sewing room, because they are many, um, (laughs) what are some ways to kind of keep a handle on that? And, you know, I know know this is a huge, huge question. So pick any point of it that you want to. (laughs) But what are some ways that you can keep those sort of organized with projects in mind down the road? So I usually, so after doing the Bonnie Hunter, I got into the leader ender thing. So sometimes I am, I am usually working on another project where I'm building like parts of a block per se, like sewing squares together or doing half square triangles and I'm doing them in between my other projects. So leader ender, in leader case ender. our listeners don't know, yep. is just when you have a small bit component. of fabric, small yep. component and, and basically your sewing machine always has something under the needle and not loose threads hanging. And it makes the starts of all your seams much more crisp and no more gnats mm-hmm. in your thread. So what quilters will often do is either A, have a scrap that they feed between their blocks that they're sewing, mm-hmm. or B, have another quilt Project. with small pieces that they're working on. And it's kind of just getting sewn as a little happy bonus. Yeah, and I have... I really kind of like that method because then when you get around to like doing that quilt, all the little bits are kind of already done Mm -hmm. and you can get on to building the block and you can accomplish it much much faster. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's something like the idea of strip piecing, just feeding one thing in after another. Okay. So back to organizing (laughs) our scraps. So you're, you're sewing your leader enders with your small pieces. Yes. And so I do that. Um, 
I have sorted, so I have a drawer, and I'm trying to be more intentional with cutting strips. So I'll be cutting another project, and I get to the end, and I don't have enough to have a fat quarter. So then I might cut it into strips and try to get the best strips out of it. And then I put it in, I have a drawer back in my sewing room and I have little pieces of tape and I have different categories, like two and a half strips, one and a half inch strips, two inch strips. I do that. So I'm curious, do you find that you use, like, is this a personal thing? Some people use two and a half inch strips a lot or some people use five inch strips a lot. Yeah, I feel like two and a half is a really good place to start. If you do nothing else, two and a half and one and a half are really good spots to start. I agree. Um, I tend to leave them in strips because you never know. You might use it for a binding. You might use it for a jelly roll race or you could use strips for so much other things. You can and honestly, rabbit trail again because that's what I do. (laughs) But often even when I'm sewing squares together, I will sew strips together in pairs first and then then subcut them them. because it's it's a ton faster faster. and a ton easier to get square and flat things so i agree with you keeping strips is a pretty wise idea but i know people that will do squares too and then if you have less of a scrap left over cut into squares i've done that a little bit but that's really labor intensive so i tend to lean more towards the strip i think for some quilters if you've made a scrappy quilt or 10, yeah. you might have a favorite. So for myself, I have a pattern of my own and I call it the mosaic quilts. And if anybody wants it, I, I'm i pretty sure it's on my website and in my free resources. But it happens to use brick sized pieces. Uh-huh. So they're two by four and a half. And I, because I know I'm going to make that pattern over and over again, yeah. that's the size that I go for. So even though I just talked uh-huh. about the value of keeping strips when you don't have pieces long enough to kind yeah, of keep a strip. Then you cut them in the squares. I go for those bricks because I yeah. know that's a piece I'll use. For someone else, that might be a different size. So if you have a favorite pattern or two, yeah. think ahead to that. And it's really a time saver when then you come around to making this scrappy quilt. Your pieces are cut for you. Yeah, it does really... Because cutting usually takes some... You can spend a whole day cutting up a quilt. So if you do Especially it... Especially a scrappy one. If you do it as you get to those ends and bits of fabric, then you don't have these random leftover ends because those random leftover ends tend to go in a laundry basket under my long arm and who knows how long they've been there. Well, there is that. And they're less organized. So what do you think about... Because there there are lots and lots of times. Mm-hmm. Let's let's not sound too um, noble. Like we keep all the <laughs> all the bits cut into usable pieces. I have bins like that too. So what I've done as a kind of partial measure is I keep see through bins. Yeah. So that I can at least keep them semi organized. So you know I keep my blacks and grays in one, and usually my reds and pinks in one. You know, yeah. and my whites and creams in one, so that at least there's some sense of what I have and what's available and a starting point. I aspire to be organized like that, but I'm not really at that point yet. I'm slowly building my organization. Well, I love a good bin. So that yeah. you know, probably that's where I started was, ooh, let's buy these bins. And then how can I use them? <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to be more organized because I feel like I want to make my fabric go further and stretch it further and why not use up the little bits that I have before I go buy new stuff? So do you buy new stuff when you need fillers? Or do you try to only stick to what you got when you make a scrappy quilt? I pretty much stick to what I have. I'm I'm not a great shopper of fabric. So I find it pretty easy to stick to um, 
only purchasing fabric as fast as I'm using it. So that being said, I tend to, you know, make maybe half a dozen quilts a year. And then those scraps are enough to keep me in scrap quilts, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. That makes probably one scrap quilt a year. And that's about what I do. So for me, that works. I don't know that I've ever gone and purchased fabric for a scrappy quilt. (laughs) So suppose you're pulling together your scrappy quilt and you find, you know... Maybe you don't have enough of, there's corals in this quilt, and you've only got three or four in your stash. How do you how do you flesh that out? Do you just make do with the three or four that you've got, or do you think it's better to go and beef up your stash, your selection a little bit? Well, so I have a quilt store down the, down the street from me. So That's a dangerous thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, I have two when the other one pops up in the open. But I tend to, sometimes I won't necessarily, I'll think I need something. You know, I might have three or four colors and I'll think they're too close and I need a light or a dark. And sometimes I'll go down there and just walk around and look what they have. Sometimes there is something that I'll walk by and I'll be like, yes, that quilt needs that. Other times I walk down and I look and I just am like, no, I think I got it covered. You know, it's, it's kind of a gut reaction for me, whether I've hit all my points or not. And then just the trial and error. Sometimes I put it up on the design wall and it looks good. Yeah. And other times I'm like, that wasn't what I was going for. Okay. And I'm still not happy with that one. So we're going to do that one Sorry. more time. <laughs> nope. That's all right. It was me and you both. I didn't introduce it well and it just, oh. it didn't flow well. Okay. Let's try one more time. Um, okay. So suppose you've embarked on a scrappy quilt and suppose you don't have a very robust stash. You know, what What do you think is kind of the minimum, if you would, for, say you're doing a quilt that has corals in it, and maybe you've only got three or four in your stash. Is that going to be enough interest and value and variety, or do you think you need maybe 10 or 12? I think it depends on the scale of the quilt, the scale of the blocks. Mm, probably true. The size of the quilt. If it's like a baby quilt, say, you could probably get away with less, but if it's a bigger quilt depending on how many other colors and values are in it. So I think it depends on the project. Yeah, it depends, sadly, is a good answer. I think you're right. I mean, thinking back again to to Bonnie Hunter, because that was so my introduction to this idea of of scrappy quilting with intention. A lot of her quilts are queen-sized. And so using my coral example, three or four of them just didn't cut it because you tended to maybe Mm -hmm. have a light, medium, and dark. And you really need... To create that sparkle, you really need to hit on more than that. So I feel like six or eight or ten is is kind yeah. of a minimum when you're doing a bed size quilt like that. Yeah. So what's a good way to do that then at, at the fabric store? How would you go about beefing up? So sometimes I'll take the fabric with me. That's a best case scenario to have the fabric with you because sometimes what you think is going to match that tone or that color or that shade doesn't match when you get it home. Mm-hmm. Um So I like to have it with me, like maybe like a little swatch or something. Sometimes I'll just throw them in my car and just have them with me. Um, Sometimes you get there and you walk around the store and nothing, nothing goes with it. Nothing sparks my interest or nothing has that pop that I'm looking for. And some days 10 or 20 are appealing. Yeah. (laughs) And then then other days, yeah. So you have to have a budget sometimes, unfortunately. Well, and a good way (laughs) to approach that too is the fat quarter bin. Yeah. Because that's a very um, small, you know, bite-sized way of getting a little more of a variety of things without breaking the bank. 
And um, different quilt stores also, sometimes they'll have these little grab bags and they'll have it labeled like green, red, blacks, or whatever. You don't get to see what's in it. It's like a mystery. And then you buy those. And sometimes you get like amazing stuff. Sometimes you only get two or three things. But it's a way to kind of build that scrappy stash in different color values if you're looking for I agree. You're clearly a person who likes physically going into shops, but honestly, the same thing can be done in online shops. There's a lot of them that Mm -hmm. offer stash building, you Mm -hmm. know, selections in your choice of color. And it's a great way to get small amounts of these different colors. And I feel too, if you're a person that's kind of unsure of colors or color values, it's a good way to have a starting point if you're looking for different things for a scrappy quilt. And have choices at your fingertips. And have choices and have more of a variety because... Let's be real. They have how many bolts of yellows or reds or greens. and Yeah. Sometimes you really do just have to narrow down the choices. It can be very overwhelming to just uh-huh. look at them all and try to pull it together. So, and I think one last thing that I have thought of, you know, in terms of, of picking colors or or being intimidated by the scrappy quality is actually reaching out. So either to the physical shop owner or to the online shop owner. And often they will help you. If you say, this mm-hmm. is where I'm going. Yeah. Here's how I want to get there. And they'll help you, you know, pull together some of that. And they're so experienced yeah. at um, how fabrics and colors work together. Yeah. And I have gone into a quilt store before and brought in what I was looking for. Looked, walked around, didn't see anything that jived with me. And just walk up to someone and ask them. Yeah. And they pulled something that I would have never thought. Yeah. And it works and it plays well. And Happy surprises are are a wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, scrappy quilting to me is is the ideal. You know, I come from a very traditional quilting background. My mom was certainly a make do and a sew with what you have kind of person. Um, Sometimes there were surprises that I would call less happy in those quilts. (laughs) But nevertheless, the sentiment remains the same. I I just love the idea of pulling together the little memories, the little leftover bits. Um, And I think one last way of acquiring scraps, honestly, is to get to know other quilters and swap. Yeah, I... Over the years, I've had friends that I've gone to the extremes of where I would keep like little one and a quarter inch little pieces or, you know, sometimes I think, why do I keep these? But you usually have a friend that has that same problem. And every once in a while, they get to the point and they don't want it anymore. So they purge and they binge and they get rid of stuff and it just can be a fun little surprise. And at the very least, you know, you can, when you're when you're at a, a sewing day with friends or a quilt retreat or things like that, it can be very rewarding to just even bring Ziploc bags of bits that are left over. Because your bits, you know, maybe you're tired of them. Maybe you just need a fresh, mm-hmm. you know, flow into your quilting stash. And they'll have something different. And just by swapping, you can really build up your scrappy stash. Yeah. What could be better? How can you go wrong with fabric? so true. Thanks so much, my friend, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this visit as much as Eva and I did. I recently chatted to several quilters who've never listened to a podcast. Seriously, they don't know what they're missing. So would you take a moment to share Measure Twice, Cut Once with them? You can share the link to any one episode or they can visit my website, podcast.stitchedbysusan.com. And from there, choose an app to listen on. In just a few seconds, a whole new world of podcasts will open up. So until next time, 
May your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. <laughs>